Hey yo, welcome to You Good Sis. We're back for another episode, a full length episode full this week. Episode. A two part episode this two week. Two part episode this week. Oh my god. How are you doing, sis? I am okay. It's been it's been kind of a restless week. And I'm not sure why. You know, maybe it's the pandemic, maybe it's just my nature. Maybe I don't know why. I had to um you know, when we first started and I was telling you about like the lists I made for myself every day and the, the schedule and the to do, I had strayed from that because I was like, okay, well, I achieved these things and I achieved this structure. I'm good now. <laughs> and I was like, I got it. And I don't got it. <laughs> I have a routine. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, we're good. And then I completely abandoned it. Yeah. And now I'm like, wait, no, I was doing that for a reason and it was working for reasons. So I've been working on going back to that, which is stressful because I don't like being told what to do, even if it's myself. Yes. If I'm not being paid to be told what to do, I'm not a fan. Discipline in this time is no fun. No bueno. But it's literally what keeps you on track. Yeah. So it's only been like two or three days of me checking back in with that. And of course, there's improvement. But... (sighs) Being honest. Yeah. I love it. I'm just trying to be... As still as I can yeah. in the madness, yeah. you know? Absolutely. Yeah. How about you? How are you? You good? I'm doing good, all things considered. I can't wait until um, I get this food delivered. <laughs> we scheduled uh, food to come to our apartment immediately after we finished taping this. So, yeah. So, let's move on through. Um, no, I am. I am. I do want to take a moment to check in. I am doing okay. My personal life is just wild right now. It's like, oh, pandemic and race war on top of a war on your personal life. <laughs> but um, but I am. I'm, like, very proud of uh, the person I'm becoming yes. in quarantine. And I love that. Yeah. Should we just, like move into Ain't That Um. We, I'm like kind of excited should, about it. We haven't done Ain't That Um in weeks. We haven't done Ain't That Um in weeks. A lot has happened. We're going to focus on this week. But a lot has even happened this week. So I just feel like we got to roll right in. So we're taping this on, what is this, Thursday? Mm-hmm. We still have three full days left. Yeah. And then the couple of hours left in this Thursday. Yeah. And this week is already insane. And literally every time we get done recording filming something that we have talked about has then been updated y'all don't want to sit down for like 30 seconds just everyone just sit down no for just a little bit if we don't report to instagram or nothing (laughs) and that's the tea i do want to make sure to acknowledge all the uh some of the losses we've seen this week already um we've unfortunately lost naya rivera um, we have Nicole Tia, a YouTube influencer from London, and uh, Zenzi Mandela, mm-hmm. an activist. And she, she was working at the, like until her passing as the ambassador to Denmark for South Africa. Um, but, you know, a lot of what she's known as is being uh, Winnie and Nelson Mandela's daughter, youngest daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, Naya Rivera of... Naya Rivera of... Um, largest, we cannot say of Glee fame because she had a 30 year career. In her what Glee, as cheesy as it was, what it did for theater kids, mm-hmm. it was like high exposure. Yeah. And then, specifically, Naya Rivera on Glee for me as a queer woman, I mean, I didn't even have that vocabulary at the time. And again, little black Kentucky girl, and I saw this girl who was there to be I mean there were many diverse diversities on Glee Mm -hmm. but she was she was like a clear diverse person who had very open thoughts and feelings on queerness and she represented that for me very early on in 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 my like development and formation of like queer knowledge and Mm -hmm. so I definitely respect her in that right too so and see even like I told you I didn't I didn't watch Glee um, but I knew who Santana was. Like, I knew a lot about the character Santana from not even watching it because of how important she was yeah. to uh, media then and even now. Yeah. And, and the people around me who watched it. Um, yeah. And then and Nicole Tea, she was Tea. 24 years old. Um, we unfortunately lost her and the, her child. the child she was carrying. Um, like she, said, she, from what I saw is an influencer who used that platform to spread a great deal of joy and light. So um, I would definitely... All of those people. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chance the Rapper stressing everybody out. Are we talking about Chance no, the Rapper? No, we're not talking about Chance the Rapper. We're going to acknowledge that it happened. We're just going to bullet point the week. It was a week. major point. It was just too much. Yeah. It was too much happening this yeah. week. Um, we have uh, U.S. hospitals being commanded to report to some sort of trickle down of the presidential office and not the CDC, like yes. being discouraged from reporting to the CDC. Yeah, so um, we have, they're trying to basically change over who is uh, in charge of information for the coronavirus. Right. And, so we're- and then the story we're getting from uh, Nick Cannon and Viacom because of comments made on his podcast um... So Nick Cannon's Viacom access and uh, shows and everything about that relationship is canceled uh, because on his podcast, he was discussing a lot of things about race relations and then particularly particularly about the role of a lot of um, executives and ent- entertainment leaders uh-huh. that identify as Jewish. Okay. Um, and the... The beliefs he shared, the conspiracies he shared, the sentiments he shared. Conspiracies? How deep did he get into this? Listen, I can't tell you all that because I was not going to listen to all that. (laughs) And I'm only going to speak on what I know. Um, A lot of criticisms and uh, discomforts and accusations against the Jewish community that have to do with finances and power... um, mirror the language that was used to oppress and and uh, practice violence against them and the Holocaust. And just because the Jewish Holocaust doesn't look exactly like the oppression that the black community faces and still faces, faced and still faces, just because they don't look the same and operate the same and have the same nuances, doesn't make that, um, doesn't make, violent language against that community invalid Mm -hmm. you know people are like okay well these other groups wouldn't do that for you like he's saying sorry and these people wouldn't apologize to him if something racist toward black people or something colorist or something attacked him and like you know what that's probably true but is that a comment on who he is or a comment on who they are yeah yeah well I don't know. I've never been on first name basis with Nick Cannon. No, I mean, <laughs> neither have I. I will say, um, when I was in college, the the National Museum of African American History and Culture wasn't it didn't exist yet when I was in college, and we had a professor who had us uh, go to the Holocaust Museum, the Smithsonian Holocaust Museum. I was just like, I am uncomfortable because. I feel like the absence of my history on the National Mall and the absence of the Smithsonian of what happened on American soil to people who built America, that absence is making me resentful of taking in this information. It's making me resentful of this plight and, and, and of, of these emotions and, and this struggle and this. Uh, and I said, I don't, I don't like that. Not because, um, not because I'm going to apologize for demanding my struggle and plight being represented on this national mall too but because the the imbalance of how people regard uh my history is putting a filter in front of me engaging with this other history and an experience that's very real and also i didn't like that walking into that museum it was very america saved everything and america did this i said so i'm already turned off yeah because it's not even you you started it off and it's not about the people who have overcome it's about what this country did this country that doesn't even know what freedom looks like and justice looks like what they did to i was completely turned off but i i as an it was an acting class so i as an actor was just like this is an this is an interruption to me uh engaging with the human condition and i don't want it to be a choice like i don't want this resentment and this this blindness and this anger to be a choice i want it to be a challenge to be like i see this and i feel for this and i want to talk about this i also demand this and they don't have to sometimes they're part of the same conversation and sometimes they're not you know, but I want the discretion to be clear about yeah. that difference. Yeah. And a lot of people are losing that right now in this conflict that we're seeing with Nick Cannon. Um, I challenge you to accept the fact that multiple sides and multiple people can be wrong at one time. <laughs> and empower yourself with information. Yeah. As far as ain't that um, 
I'm connecting this with uh, the everyone's been hype about that hip hop Harry go 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 situation. But what you don't know is that <laughs> I have to admit, I have to admit that I watched some hip hop Harry when it aired, and I was way too old. I was in my big age. Mm. I was way too old. But I feel like I fell asleep with TLC, the channel, playing one thing. And then when I woke up to get ready for class, it was playing Hip Hop Harry early in the morning. I was like, this kind of goes. I never even knew that was the So I'm let it play in the background. It was like 06 to 08 or something like that. So it's just like, I was way too old. But like I would fall asleep watching some home renovation stuff and then wake up and Hip Hop Harry was on. Please tell me how that applies to Nick Cannon. Okay, because... (laughs) Hip Hop Harry, in one of his dance circle moments, there's a song he says, I love to learn. He goes, I had a question. It needed an answer. I asked my friends, they're hip hop dancers. Where can I go? Where should I look? To start my adventure, they gave me a book. I opened it up and to my surprise, many fun things were hidden inside. Hip Hop Harry said he loves to learn. And I want you all to love to learn. I want you to love to learn. When it's something you don't understand, instead of doubling down on the on the part of it that's also wrong, learn something. Ask something. Yo, Lexi was off book. <laughs> what? She tried to say, I'm a little too old for this, but she picked up messages. You <laughs> I'm in I'm yeah. shocked. Okay, because all these little I don't I don't all these little TikTok the go, go, go stuff. It's cute. Kirk Franklin did one. <laughs> Kirk Franklin did one. But the go-go is cute. But hip-hop Harry was preaching. It's like Blue's Clues. <laughs> Listen. I love to learn. Yeah. When, I didn't, when I didn't understand people saying this is anti-Semitic, you know, these words are dangerous, I didn't say, no, they're not, because I didn't know. I said, I love to learn. Yeah. And I looked it up. I found a thread, um, which I'll share on the You Get Sis. I'll, I'll share the, the beginning of it. But I found a thread that one of my friends shared years ago about anti-Semitic anti-semitism in the black community and how because our oppression doesn't look the same as another groups we say no that's not true yeah instead of saying well why or how or how do i end it or how yeah. do i not engage with it yeah. we say no that's not true and then double down on the things that are dangerous um and that's that's not it's that's, also easy to just like mob appeal and be like oh everyone else is mad about this oh yeah. i should be mad about this too what anti-semitism right i'm mad and yeah. then it's like no like how do we find our own but opinions? but like um a, a lot of uh aryan people believing uh jewish people having money and jewish people having these careers involving money and finance that's dangerous and that was a huge part of how violence against that community started yeah. not not even a century ago it was a, what 1940s 50s like it so recent it's too recent for you to not love to learn more before you double down on being wrong right um i think there are a lot of things wrong with the world and i think that talking about those things and their respects and being informed in them in them is much more important than negating one wrong thing when you want to champion yeah, another especially wrong. When champion justice about- another wrong i saw i saw this thread from a scholar who is white and jewish because those are two different things that are not always separate, but are different. Mm-hmm. Um, this white Jewish scholar um, w- was saying that, you know, we do have to address race dynamics and access dynamics and equity when talking about why these differences look different to different people. But she's like, that doesn't mean that we have to perpetuate the things that make them dangerous. And that's where I'm standing on it. Hell yeah! I love to learn. You came prepared to today. Um, I my my story my story is much too sad. <laughs> you can cut that because <laughs> I just had to feel oh, myself. I keep it. Um, I'm gonna talk about Megan the Stallion. And the the fact of the matter is, we don't have many facts. I mean, at this time where we're recording on Thursday night, there are not many facts, but um, obviously the internet's going crazy. We have heard that Megan Thee Stallion has been shot. We've heard that Tory Lanez, the rapper, has, uh, they found a gun in his car, and then like everyone is just kind of left to their own devices to fill in the information from there. Yeah. But official word from Megan Thee Stallion, she did say, 
The narrative that is being reported about Sunday morning's events are inaccurate. I'd like to set the record straight. On Sunday morning, I suffered gunshot wounds. And basically, she took gunshot wounds to the foot. And she said that they were uh, an intent to harm her. But she's okay? Question mark. It's what she says. Um, And I really do hope that she's okay. And that's the news. Here's where the ain't that um comes in for me. I didn't get any sleep last night. I was up till 7 a.m. Unrelated circumstances. It's okay. I'm running on about two hours of sleep, which honestly is normal for quarantine for me at the moment because what is time? What is sleep? Why do I need it? I'm not going to work. I took this opportunity to write uh, another poem. I wrote this uh, in honestly about three minutes. Uh, just before I took a nap, just before we filmed this very episode of You Good Sis, Megan Thee Stallion, I think I'm thoroughly bred, thoroughly blessed, them bullets ain't in my head, no major arteries hit, I'm just glad I'm not dead, in 2020 I bled, real bitches heard what I said. What she's dealing with is something that's very real and very very violent and very um urgent well what i want to talk about specifically from it on an honest note is that now we've seen um video footage come out and and i mean there are just so many layers to how terrifying this situation i'm sure and again we are only empathizing but i'm sure how terrifying we know we know you all know how terrifying this incident can be standalone no matter what getting shot terrifying getting pulled over terrifying having your shit publicly displayed terrifying i mean there are so many people curious about how you recover on on a minute to minute basis asking you to be present while you're focused on recovery terrifying add on the race war out on everything else ain't that some bullshit ain't that that end of there ain't that some yeah so let's bring in some light you have a black accent we do we have a i see you i see you i see you this time i'm saying i see you to a little sis She's six years old. Her name is Lily Adelaide. Oh my god. And she is the youngest CEO to have her products sold in Target. Yes. Yes, I've heard about her. Yes. So she has a variety of items, including dresses, hair bows, lunch boxes, accessories. Um, and when interviewed her and when interviewed about it, she's like, Well, I'm getting to paraphrase, she's like, well, I, I own my business and I'm getting paid to do things I like and I love that. The direct quote is... Um, A line that I, own, I will never say. <laughs> the direct quote is, I own my own company. I don't just like it. I love it. I will never be able to say those words. And you know, often I say, you know, if you like it, I love it. I say that frequently. Yeah. If you like it, she likes it and she loves and it. And it rolled off the tongue. So what is the what's the product name? The product where can we find her? It's well, called Lily Frilly. Cute. Lily Frilly. So go to Target. 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 I don't know her. I go to Target. Only for this girl, I'm going to Target. And also follow Lily Frilly on the Instagram. Cute, cute. But yeah, she's precious and she's doing things and she is confident in the things she's doing and I stand. And we see her. We see her. Yes. And now we're excited to share a segment that we haven't done in a little while. We oh have gosh. who all gonna be there, and today who gonna be here? Yeah, today um, I we we pulled some major ties and got a very special guest with Jenny LaRoche, star of stage, screen, behind the scenes, everything. Um, I met Jenny when I was well we met Jenny when we were auditioning for Mm -hmm. Summer um and then she ended up booking me for Donna Summer the musical and it was unreal because I'd looked up to her forever so we are highly um excited to bring you Jenny LaRoche and introduce you to uh well like you said I don't we don't need dancer singer actor mentor teacher all of the things yeah, yeah, we're very excited to bring you Jenny LaRoche. Um, today we have, I think, the guest that I am most excited about, <laughs> and will be until we finish this podcast. Probably until we publish Probably the until we publish the podcast, and that is Jenny LaRoche. Oh my goodness, what an introduction. <laughs> so Jenny, 
why don't you just give us like a quick index card of information of the stuff that makes you feel most important. I don't want to be like, give us your credits, give us your blog. I want you to tell us just about you in a quickest form you can. Okay, not like pandemic. Like, feel good, but so, just like in general. I mean, we'll get into it, but let's do okay. like background, like okay. what led you up to here. Got it. Pre-pandemic. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, I'm from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I went to college in Buffalo, so I went from like hot to freezing cold. It was the first time I saw snow, so that was a surprise. Um, but what led me there was, you know, performing arts. I wanted to perform for a living. I didn't know what that meant, so but I knew it involved leaving Florida. Um, so I went there, and then I moved to New York City about 12 years ago now. And the first job that I did was Radio City Rockettes. Uh, it was like one of my first auditions, which was really amazing and timely because I moved here in 08. And that was like the audition a month before the financial crisis. So I luckily was able to like tour for four months, save my coins, because by the time I moved back to New York City, everything was... Um, so that was like a real blessing um, and also just fun. Like having your first job be a tour um, was super reckless. I had <laughs> some good, <laughs> I made some good friends along the way. Um, it's so funny. Like that's actually like, I'm totally going to call them out now, but Ashley Everett and Todrick Hall, that's how we met like our humble beginnings and we had the wow. best time. <laughs> I'm totally gonna call them out because I know they don't want to remember those days. But that is just <laughs> what? Her face just cracked. Just these name drops. <laughs> I have to because we had a stupid nickname. It was like Taj or something. Yeah, like Tj whatever, <laughs> the TH, I can't, um, but it was, it was great. We were like newbies to like the biz and it was exciting. It was an exciting time for us. Like that was like my freshman year, I call that. Um, and then, yeah, I did another two seasons of the Rockettes and I eventually left that. Like I did like commercial stuff in between, like, a lot of gigs, um, gigging, that's what we all know that as. Um, another career highlight eventually it led me to do Smash. Uh, that was a career highlight and a career disappointment. More to come with that. Um, <laughs> and then, <laughs> I mean, if we're just gonna talk, we're just gonna talk openly. Um, and, <laughs> and yeah, I, I mean, to sum it up, uh, the theater stuff kind of led me to television and um, I've hopped back and forth from like TV, film and um, theater because I love all mediums of art. And uh, most recently was like the Broadway realm and now I'm uh, choreographing more and like mentoring more, um, but I'm still performing. Well, not right now. <laughs> I still like love being a performer, so I'm not full-time behind the table yet but that opening that door has been really um eye-opening for me because I realized how uh little there's not many people of color behind the table and I think there needs to be more of us um telling our stories and doing our works so that has been um, a dream. Like I've really loved doing that. And pre-pandemic, um, I had cast this lovely gem <laughs> in our fabulous show, The Donna Summer Musical. Um, and that was cool. I like uh, was a part of The Donna Summer Musical from its inception. So from workshop to out of town to Broadway, to then we closed on Broadway and then, okay, there's gonna be a tour. And then I was asked to be associate choreographer. And so just all the different, just having it carry on um, has been awesome. And then the last project that I was doing while I was doing that um, was Lynn manuel Miranda is 
adapting um, Tick, Tick, Boom to be a Netflix movie. And uh, we were rehearsing that. And that was the last costume fitting I had before I was told to stay home for a global pandemic. You are such a good, I'm, I've been following your career for a while since Smash, since I saw you up there being that representation. And then I get to work with you as this choreographer and you put on so many lovely hats and you wear them well. I mean, was that always your intention? Is that always what you set out to do? To wear many hats? Yes. Um, I mean, I never, you know, who knew that it was going to happen and work out for me, but I never liked being boxed in. That was like the main thing I didn't want to happen, like happen. So I remember even in college, we had this paper, it was like a class called research and dance. And so you had to, I don't know if y'all had that, I don't know, <laughs> whatever program, you know, research and dance. And like, a lot of people chose like, I'm gonna write a 25 page paper on Isidore Duncan or Martha Graham, or, you know, I'm gonna write the history of tap dance. That was always like the typical topics that people chose to write about. And my topic was the livelihood of a performer. Like I didn't want to just be a dancer. I knew that from jump. Um, I didn't want to be, I don't know, I think when people, made assumptions of me like oh you're tall you should be a rocketer oh you're black you should join Ailey like I never wanted to be labeled or just limited off my appearance so I just always said I wanted to try everything and like I remember when I got my first agent um it was like you know, agents laugh when you say that, like, I want to do everything. And I was like, no, but really, I want to do everything. Like, yeah. don't box me in. And I was constantly fighting that being boxed in because the minute, like, I would book something commercial dance, then I kept being submitted for, like, that type of stuff. And I was like, no, no, no. Like, I want to, you know, go in for a very campy musical theater show. Like, why not? I, like, let me be that unconventional um, cast member, you know, the casting type. So yeah, I always had many um, interests, I guess. And yeah, I just didn't want to hear the word no. <laughs> Definitely have heard it many a times. <laughs> but I try not to let it stop me too much. <laughs> yeah. So like when you when you know that you want to wear many hats and you have the, the training and the wherewithal and confidence to then rock those many hats, how have you um kind of navigated the energy it takes to feed all of those different things? How have you prioritized mm -hmm. them? How have you um, said, yes, well, in, in this singing moment, this acting moment, this dance mentor, managerial mm -hmm. teaching mm -hmm. moment, like, how, how do you divide that energy and uh, keep all of those hats balanced? That is a very good question. A very good question. Still balancing it all out. Um, it also helps that I have a lovely husband and we've been together now nine years. Uh, we got married three years ago and I have maintained a work-life balance, I think. So I would feel drained if I gave like a lot of energy to like putting up a show, creating a show and like, you know, I was a part of the pre-production um, phase of every show that I've done, I can say. Like for Smash, I was in the pre-production room like, okay, this may be a hit, it may be a total flop, but we gotta create these numbers. So like that pressure and that like, let's create, like working side by side with Josh Vergas and working side by side with Sergio Trillo and like working side by side with Linda Haberman, like we gotta get this show afloat and like make it a bit, you know, I always felt like I wanna do my part to make something that can like last forever. And that usually never happens <laughs> because it's just <laughs> not the way our world works, but it could be really draining. And um, I don't know, I think I've always like managed to not, like people are like, oh, you dated outside of your field. And I'm like, absolutely. Like I can't, 
I can't focus all of my energy into my fields. Like when I'm in the rehearsal room or if I'm in an audition, like I'm going to give it my all, but it could become very toxic when it's all you have, you know? And so I, I think that's also like going back to why I chose Buffalo in particular, like I was looking at Point Park. I was looking at all these other like really strong programs that were conservatories, but I wanted the full college experience. I wanted to meet people outside of the dance studio, outside of like the music, you know what I mean? Like I didn't just wanna only know how to talk about what I do. I wanted to drink with the muggles. <laughs> I, wanted to, like, I wanted to have options. I took like, I had started off as a business minor and that just was way too much of a workload to also be a dance major. But I don't know. I always knew that one thing was um, not necessarily enough to fulfill me, I guess. So finding that balance. And um, I think the balance for me comes from not engulfing my entire world in our industry, you know? How do you fit wife into there? How do you, how do you go about this like family life with your husband and, and tending to that and caring for that? I just would, I would hate if I missed this opportunity to talk about that section of your life because yeah. I feel like we also, our, our brands and our bodies get engulfed in this like, mm -hmm. I'm here and that's what I am and we don't really get to know much further and I'm just so mm -hmm. curious. How do you go about like wifehood along with all of this stuff? Well, I feel like wifehood and family keep my feet on the ground, right? Like our industry, there's cracks all around the floor. So we're constantly dodging and constantly like it can feel very, not the craft, but how our industry works can feel very superficial. Like having, like getting that vibe of, okay, here's another audition. Let me, you know, let me get my mind right. Let me do my part. Let me do my work. Let me do my, but then I'm in the room and it becomes about something that is not fully about my work. You know what I mean? And knowing that, accepting that, accepting the rejection, you know, all of that is so like, it's like constantly chasing like a car, like a dog chasing a car, you know? And I think the family life is, that's the tangible thing. Like, look at this pandemic, like family time, time with friends, time with like the humanity of it. Um, it's interesting because it definitely sucks that our industry is at such a like a complete stop. Um, the I think the fear, the uncertainty, all that stuff is very real. But then I'll, I'll find myself like telling my friends of like, but wait, we've been here before. Like as an artist, you've been without a job for a couple of months or you've been without health insurance. It's the, the fact that we're all now sharing this same <gasps> like standstill and like, but wait, when will it end? Like it will end. Um, it will get better. Like this is an icky chapter, but I think if all you have is focusing on, I'm out of a job. Uh, uh, you know, if all you're focusing on is like, okay, well, when will the next audition be? Is there going to be a role for me? Is there, cause that's how our minds work, right? Like, okay. Like, <laughs> I feel like we're all secretly pre pandemic, you know, you'll go and see a fear show and you're like, okay, who's about to leave this show so I can get it. You know what I mean? <laughs> we're gonna try. Our ankles look long. Like, like, you're low-key low in like sabotage mode. <laughs> like, okay, who's leaving the show? Who's moving on? Okay, what role is it for? Like you're constantly in that mindset and we have to be like, that's what we're used to. But now there are no shows. Now there are, okay, 
it doesn't mean that you're not an artist. It means that you're not getting paid to be an artist, but how can you still, you know, keep that passion? How can you still, um, not still, but how can you tap into other spectacular, amazing parts of you and all the facets that are you that aren't just what someone wants to hire for their show? Um, family and like what that means. And when you are in between work or in between shows, like that's your constant. And you know, my partner, that's my constant. Yeah. I know we just, um, I, I, I really appreciate that. Thank you. I know Lexi just wants to get to it because she's the biggest smash. <laughs> am I? Am I? You are in this house. <laughs> I mean, this house, yes. It's okay. So Slash came out when we were in college. And, I mean, I didn't know Kayla when we were in college, but we were both at the time. And um, I had a professor who told us, told us to watch it. He said, that is the closest you'll see on, like, cable, on TV. That's a, a representation of what actually happens in the industry. He's like, that, that project is wow. so closest to what really happens. So he's like, watch it. And that's how I became a Smash fan. Um, like I said, we had a whole moment last week <laughs> in okay. New York, like a couple of years into being in New York. I was like, I never finished Smash. <laughs> and then I like started from the top and picked up and, fin and finished it all again. Okay. Um, so as far as the idea of, like you said, our industry can has so many cracks in the ground and can be so finicky and in the air can seem like this this wild goose chase um what about that experience and that that uh project was very truthful to you and then um mm -hmm. as you brought up earlier what was it <laughs> <laughs> Let's let's do let's do the professional way first. We're gonna lean in. That was a real nice way of saying what's the tea? No, but I wanna I wanna, I wanna know if you agree. Like as a part of the project, do you agree with why I was told to watch it in the first place? And then Yeah. Let's tease it. <laughs> well, I had to say that part just because I mean if we're gonna be real, it was it, it was an experience for me um, emotionally because like I definitely so much growth came out of that experience but um, anyways before we get into all the sticky stuff <laughs> I will say that's amazing I haven't heard that a program used uh, smash as like a learning tool I love that because season one especially Teresa Reback, um, our showrunner from season one, uh, was so, wanted it to be so authentic. And I mean, it's prime time. So, you know, NBC has many rules of what can, how authentic we could actually be. But it was like, I remember um, one of our cast members was like, wait a minute, this is actually real. Like, it was not, it was not as whitewashed as we expected it to be. Um, like, I was not, I loved that I was cast as, you know, the leggy, oh, there's my oven. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> Sound issues. Um, <laughs> I auditioned for Smash, like, uh, initially I wasn't reading for a part. I was just auditioning for one of the, like, major production numbers. And they're like, oh my God, who is she? You know, and at the time I had no Broadway credits. I was like living in my own bubble of like Rocket Land and Beyonce Land and kind of like gigging around, you know what I mean? But like to our theater industry, it can be very like elite sometimes. And I remember someone being like, you better come in here and take the job away from all the other girls. Like it was, I, no one knew me then. I was like, I mean, I've been around, just not in. Yeah. the Broadway scene, right? And so I remember like reading for the part and uh, they, you know, it was for episode four. And so I did a dance number and then it turned into a recurring role. And it was amazing. It was like, I didn't feel 
exploited for being like the black girl in the chorus. It was just like, she's fierce and she can act. You're hired. And I would like, I know that sounds simple, but like it was a fresh start. I felt like, like the fact that I could do what I love to do on the stage and tell that story on television was lit, like all my dreams combined. Wow. And um, it was some of like the happiest, like best, like having my own like little trail. Like I would take pictures of like my name on the little honeydew and all that. <laughs> um, and then we had, so this is where the tea comes in. <laughs> to be continued, part two is the comment. Um, and, <laughs> and more tea to come, because there's always tea. <laughs> um, and like Kayla said before we started, who all going to be there? We were so excited to have Jenny. And, and once we got Jenny. started talking to her, there was just so many questions that came about that we are we are excited to break this up into two parts for you guys. So, uh, you sis, you folks. So, um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna hold off there. I know it's so exciting. <laughs> I mean, she's just like full of information. But um, we were we're we are thrilled to bring you the second part next week in our next episode of You Good Sis. And we're going to go straight into we are not therapists. Because we're not. We're not. On purpose. Because I don't know if I can go back to school. <laughs> but as Jenny said, we are artists. We are artists. We are not paid artists, but we are artists. <laughs> um, so for our wellness-ish segment of the week, I want to dive into maintaining friendships and, and closeness in quarantine because mm -hmm. we can't see our people we can't touch our people we can't hug our people we can't have our friends over and you know what? i'm not gonna say can and can't as a means of control but like can and can't in good conscience and knowing that it's the safest thing to do really spend time with our friends the way we're used to um how do we practice that when we're we're not working anymore we're not doing what we're used to anymore we're not in the world yeah we're at home yeah safe hopefully at home hopefully um for me personally it's funny that you say like uh, now that we are kind of removed from our friend circles or whatever because I feel the entire opposite I feel like all of those pressures where um I'm, I'm very much that person of like, I'm never doing enough. Or if I'm sitting on my ass and watching TV, I'm enjoying it, but I'm still like, what a waste of time in the back of my mind. And so I think prior to the pandemic, I was always running around and, you know, a, a busy body, so to speak. And that's because I make myself that way. And I didn't really... I value my friendships because that's the thing with me. I'm so on the go. I'm so busy. I'm so all over the freaking place that my friends really have to be those people who are the reach outers. Um, <laughs> Lexi smiles because she is that person. No, also because I need reach outers. I mean, I have reach outers. Yes. But I understand the importance. But my, my friends are the reach outers, and that's why we've been able to remain friends. And so, what I've tried to do this quarantine are um, reassigning some of those boundaries, reassigning some of those responsibilities, and being like, uh, I clearly have the time. I am still busy in quarantine because that's just naturally me, but I clearly have the time. And so I'm valuing my friendships, which feels yeah. like a new space. You know, I, I did. I am that I am that artist who got wrapped up in the identity and I have to hit Broadway or else, you know, if I don't hit Broadway, then then the focus is not clear. I can't move on past there. I can't make, you know, uh, I can't spend time focused on friendships and blah, 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 because I just have to hit the goal and then I can, I'll be free. It's the mindset that I had, which is so backwards. Yeah. Um, uh, because, you know, we all know that once you hit a bigger goal, you just hit more, you have more goals and it never ends. So I've been taking that time uh, this time to really value my friendships. And I, I love the Zoom calls. I've warmed up to the Zoom calls. I've warmed up to the FaceTimes. I'm, I'm still texting maybe two, three times a week, but I get back to all of them in detail. And that just feels good, valuing valuing what um, was always there in front of me before and and using this time to be like, hey, I'm gonna show up for you because mm -hmm. now, I mean, we, we all know this, these, 
things that we valued before um, have been stripped away in a sense and some things just don't read important anymore so these are the things that are important to me I realized before quarantine that outside of talking to myself and singing to myself in my room and outside of being at work at the at the time a muggle job like serving and talking to guests I wasn't speaking so it's like I would if I didn't do my vocal warm-ups during the day I would get to work and be like my voice isn't working because I'm yeah. not talking to anyone I don't call people randomly and chat I don't texting I've been awful and I'll tell you why one time when I was 16 my mom took my cell phone away for months it was because I didn't wash the dishes and the phone stayed gone because I continued to not wash the you dishes deserved it. I have eczema okay <laughs> the dishwater it's a conflict I can do it with gloves but um I was just like well me being a Scorpio I was like well so I won't do it yeah <laughs> um, so I went a long time without my phone so then and when I got it back, I was like, well, I don't have to text you back because you found a way to talk to me when I didn't have my phone and I just saw you when I saw you. Yeah. So I, when I'm comfortable, I'll speak at length. But I think the people who are close to me don't see that difference because they're the people I want to talk to. Oh, I don't know a quiet Lexi. Yeah. I no. don't. <laughs> no, but also it's like because uh, most of my... Uh, life and friends in childhood and college and adult friends have been rooted in my theater experience people are meeting me in theater they're meeting me on projects they're meeting me when I'm doing what I love to do so I'm excited all the time you know I, I and when I'm not in that space I like to watch and clock and then record what I see and tell it as a story later to someone I want to talk yeah. to um so I, I, in quarantine, have had to work on texting people back and uh, calling people just because I'm thinking of them because normally I want to do it and sometimes I do do it, but I also will have that, that voice like, oh, that person doesn't want to hear from you. That person's not going to want to talk to you right now. You're bothering them. And really, I haven't talked to that person in four months, so what's the bother? Yeah. Coronavirus as a pandemic has taught me that communication is much larger than what you see in yourself yeah how you can and how yeah. you communicate it's like your intention is to be a good friend and to be a a, a a communicable friend and that doesn't land then you're creating a space for your friends to tell you that and that's mm. by you just checking in and talking to them and asking exactly yeah. yeah yeah i'm taking valuing my friendships and maybe even going out period <laughs> in the future whenever we can because i'm not a going out person I realized that having friends is fun, which is something that I did not know. <laughs> so, yeah, I feel yeah. that way too. I feel that yeah. way too. And even like looking up, like being inside yourself so much on a normal basis and especially being inside yourself in, in social distancing and then looking up and still seeing the people that you thought you were thinking about but weren't talking to it's 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 refreshing so, absolutely you know open yourself up to the idea that your your friends know what kind of friend you are and if they need something different be the kind of friend that creates a space where they can tell you yeah and trust i mean that that, that is something i'm when I give this advice, I am speaking to myself. It's my best gift to give advice that I don't take back. But <laughs> but it's that same thing. It's, it's for me personally, it's stripping myself of the apology. I keep apologizing to people for being my friend. And it's like your friends are your chosen family, literally, even outside of that's a term we use for queer community. But outside of queer community, your friends, your good Judy's, they are chosen family so I something I am also working on is just stopping like the apologies like you Lexi you know I'm a I'm a neurotic bitch especially at this time I'm crying all the time I don't feel like I have to constantly apologize for that because you do accept me and and somehow magically thank god our, our personalities work together to create magic but um yeah I, it's that just like taking comfort in the space it's the one thing you don't need to worry about is having friends yeah, and on, on the um especially on the super mental health tip talk to your friends talk to your friends and you know if you're scared to talk to your friend and you dive into that conversation and you discover that they're not your friend that truth is better than you torturing yourself Absolutely. with what kind of friend you are or not or what Absolutely. kind of friend they are or not yeah so we are not therapists but, but we, we are, are friends, friends. <laughs> I got that in real quick. But we are friends. We are friends. <laughs> Good job. And I'm proud.
Yes. Okay. Full out? Full out. Oh my gosh. Okay. Full out, Henny. Do you, who, what order do you want? I want to go last. Full out. No marking. We have a, we've had a lot of things to say this week and this is the end of it. This is it. This is our last little release. So last. Lex, I'm actually going to let you go first. Okay. I'm going to make it quick. Two things real quick. One We're getting very comfortable with what we think social distancing is, what we think care is, what we uh, uh, think safer at home is. And what I am going to ask you all to do is to buckle down on what really is the safest option right now. Like you you want to to see people, you want to be around people, you want to uh, touch and hug and and not just sit the hell down when really the best, safest option is to sit the hell down. But the reality is we're in a country and in a world where the, the true statistics and the true danger is being filtered to filtered on purpose. And we see the headlines that tell us so. And they're very clear. But then we think that that means we should believe what a policy allows us to do, or what stores allow us to do. What, what It's just how you... I don't want us to be led by fear in this moment. I want us to be led by uh, caution. You know? Yeah. This caution is fear-based because shit's scary. It is. Um, but I'd rather be be fearful that I am doing the most than fearful that I am at risk and putting others at risk. You know? So just uh, uh, buckle down. Buckle down. Take it. Buckle down. Um numbers only tell you what the people sharing them want to share and that's not a, a, a conspiracy thing that's an agency thing like be in control of what you can control yeah and then also my fun full out no marking so i'm catching up on greenleaf and <laughs> greenleaf is one of those things i okay so when a lot of people are a fan of something I can be very anti. I can be very, if I'm not on the train when it takes off, I can be very, I'm not going to like it just because you like it. I'm not going to like it just because these people are tweeting about it. I'm like, I will, because you all will say it's the shit, and when it's not the shit, I'm going to be mad. Same. as fuck. Um, Greenleaf is one of those things that my timeline and my mother told me about every week until I actually watched it, and then I visited home a couple of years ago and watched some of it on the DVR of my mom's machine, and I was like, oh. I love this. Um, so I've I'm that was years ago. I took a break. I'm catching up now. And I want to take a black Broadway moment to acknowledge the fact that Merle Dandridge will not sing. This is so good. <laughs> it's so good. Okay. It's like so, a show behind the show. It's the show. It's the show. <laughs> but only like two. It, I feel like it's living in my brain and not other people aren't as excited about this dynamic as I am. Okay, here's the thing. I'm here to tell you that Merle Dandridge, who plays Grace Greenleaf, is a Broadway star, and everyone on the show sings except her. <laughs> Please hold. This, okay, I want to be clear this isn't a demand for Merle Dandridge to sing, this isn't a curiosity as to why she won't. It is a celebration of the fact that it's not happening because it is brilliant to me. There's like, a power in it. There's a power. Like I, I just want. I want to know what happened at the crafting of that contract. Like Mama was in Rent. Mama was in uh, Spam a lot. Mama was in Tarzan. Mama was uh, Papa Gay in Once on This Island. We both saw her mm-hmm. as Papa Gay separately on Once on This Island while she was. Between taping episodes of Greenleaf, and then she returned to this. Here's the thing, because Broadway actors live beyond bringing Broadway actors and move to other mediums all the time. It happens frequently, and oftentimes they don't sing or dance or whatever on whatever they're doing. But this particular show is about a black church in the South. People sing every week, but you know who doesn't? Merle Dandridge. Ah! I love that. I don't, I don't know why. I don't know why, but it's just like, 
Um, I, I, and I, I was like, well, you know, I'm behind. I'm catching up. I'm not. They're on what season five? I'm on season four right now. Season five is airing. And I was like, you know, what? I'm gonna make sure to do my research before I say this on you good sis and i was like merle dandridge singing on greenleaf doing all sorts of googles like grace greenleaf singing all sorts of googles and i saw this one comment that brought it all home for me someone said because people were shocked because she did she did sing for something related to the own network it was like some coronavirus gospel moment with Jermaine hopkins and and what like and someone people in the comments were like i didn't know she sang oh my god oh my she has a voice and the, the Broadway people were like yes that is my dandridge um, but someone in the comments said well that's because Grace Greenleaf the character does not sing Mel dandridge the actor does it's like I said it's not the fact that it's not happening on the show period it's the fact that it is a show that takes place in a black southern church environment and people sing every week we have uh deborah joy the 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 winans uh uh child singing every week sure uh patty labelle showed up as a character and they played one of her songs in the background and then she sang lynn whitfield was singing shout out to hu keith davis everybody's singing who's not singing the woman who when they weren't taping was singing on broadway came back and continued to not sing big dick energy. I, it's big dick energy. That's why you stand. Listen, I doubt Merle Dandridge is ever going to watch this, but whatever you do, I celebrate. <laughs> because this is brilliant to me. It's, br- it's, it's not like it's all the Broadway actors that were on The Good Wife. It's not like it's all the Broadway people that Shonda gets for Shondaland shows. This is a show where people sing every week and she won't i'm full out about that <laughs> i think it's phenomenal i think it's phenomenal i love it i love it so i have two really quick full outs um my first one is also going to be a challenge to you folks um i challenge you this week to back to our friendship conversation back to we are not therapists i challenge you to Really take a moment after you hear the question, how are you, or how are you doing, or what's up, or how are you feeling, take a moment and answer it honestly. Because again, with this work that I'm doing to like step back from apologizing for being people's friends, apologizing for being who I am, knowing that my friends understand who I am, know that they can also handle that answer. Period. Point blank. Cute and quick. That's my challenge to you. My second full out... It's mine and Lexi's one year anniversary. <gasps> Today? It's our anniversary! Pew, pew! <laughs> it's July 17th. Well, when this comes out. Right now, it's July 16th, which is the day that I came to New York and stayed with you before we moved into our apartment July 17th. It's our anniversary! So I just want to give you a deep hug that the podcasters won't see. I was very, I was very confused because I thought you were talking about 2017 in Korea and I was like, bitch, you weren't my friend until July. No, bitch, that was, but I was your roommate in 2019. July 17, 2019. So happy anniversary to us. Happy that literally is my whole full out because you, my my full out is Alexia Marie because I, what you had. <laughs> Close your mouth. That's <laughs> um, probably Weinstein. So <laughs> and catching the gnats in our New York apartment. But but honestly, Lexi, I mean, I talked to you about this enough off the podcast, so I'm not going to take this moment to be sappy because um, you've seen enough of my tears. But this year has been life-changing with you. And even though I'm an absent roommate because a bitch has got to work, um, <laughs> I mean, listen, I spent half the time out of this house because I was gone away from New York City but even still you hold down the fort you um, understand my neuroses and you understand my Virgo tendencies and you take them and you say here's how we cope and I cannot ask for a better roommate at this time in my life like for us being two very grown women who need to very much sit down we are a really good pair 
very I, grown, very sensitive, very neurotic. How does this work? Very, very trying our best. And we make this work. We make this roommate, uh, beyond you good sis, we make this thing work. And um, we joked the other day that we're not moving out of this apartment until we have... Y'all gonna have to marry opposites. us. Somebody gonna have to marry us. Someone come and be a partner because I haven't found one better better than Alexia Marie. So yeah, thank you. If it's not someone, I no. Yeah, but yes, thank you, love. I love you. It's our anniversary. Oh, we should have ordered. Send cake. us love. Send us. It's fine. We can fuck it up tomorrow. And that's the point. So that we're going to get our beauty rest so we can destroy tomorrow. I'm not getting my beauty rest. I'm going to edit this. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Cool. <laughs> anyway, um, thank you so much for following along with us for another week of You Good Sis. Again, please email us at yougoodsispod at gmail.com. Uh, send us uh, send us tweets. I don't know how Twitter works. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter at YouGoodSisPod. Follow us on Instagram at YouGoodSisPod. Um, and again, we are podcasting everywhere, as you all well know. Thank you so much for listening again. Yeah. We love y'all. You good? I am hot. <laughs> <laughs> See y'all next week. Die. Good job.